The Late Night Legends podcast is meant for an adult audience only. It may contain sexually oriented content. Please be aware of your surroundings. Listener discretion is advised. And guess what? We're on time today. We have Frank, Wazzy, and Nick. Hi. All right. It's a good opening. We got a <laughs> we got a hot docket tonight. And tonight, since uh, Wazzy had last week off, we've got uh, her chosen topic tonight, which is exciting. So I'm going to queue up some video. Uh, you want to take us in, Wazzy? Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Um, so I chose a more different route or as far as like topic goes, I chose a different um, topic that I heard about two weeks ago. Um, and that topic, I'm sorry, that topic is called Kay's Cross. And it is situated in Kaysville, Utah. Um, and it has to do with a cult that started out in the 40s and 50s. And really what the story surrounds itself out, and I will preface it with saying this, is more towards the cross than it is about the like the cult that we're going to talk about. But the cult does play a huge role into the influence of the cross and what happens to it throughout the entire story. Um, other than that, how are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. I feel like I haven't seen you guys in like a week. Pretty good. Well in a week (laughs) um awesome all right well so it obviously starts off there's a lot of legends and a lot of different folklore that surrounds with this to begin with but Kay's cross is literally a big ass cross that was made of stone rubble and rod and some of that stuff the exact date and age of this cross being built is disputed because they don't know exactly who what when or any of the logistics on this cross really um but it is said to be built around the 40s 50s around when the second world war was just ending um and obviously i will like to say keep in mind there is a lot of political events happening around this time that does also provide that same energy charge as if say if something emotional were to happen um and and a lot of it doesn't make sense right now but um as we go into it i'll explain why so some of the legends that surround by case cross start off with um a polygamist who had seven wives and 
those seven wives were all killed by said polygamist. They were then buried. Six of those wives were buried around the cross. And then the seventh one was buried alive under the cross, but the heart was encased into the cross <laughs> or underneath <laughs> it. Some articles say within the cross, some say underneath it unfortunately we will never know because that said cross has had some um renovations done to it definitely <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> um, well i have a question for you yes when you said wait the was the lady who was buried alive is that the one whose heart you're talking about or yes ma'am yes ma'am <laughs> yes and these are just all legends. I will say this okay. much. These are legends, okay? Um, around the 80s, Satanic Panic yes. took on a huge role. Wow. Allie, I know that was you. <laughs> that was you, I'm sorry. Let me meet no worries, you. No worries, you're good. Uh -huh. I was like, wow, I sound wonderful. Um, <clears throat> anyways. Hey, Lord um, Cronus, what's up? Sorry, Lord Cronus <laughs> said hi. What he's well, he actually hi. said what the fuck, but hey Lord Cronus, what's happening? Bro? Hey Lord Cronus, what the fuck <laughs> to you as well. Um so then another thing that started out a lot was the satanic panic that happened in the 80s. So because of the way it is placed and in the area it's placed, it's very woodsy. It's actually called Kay's Hollow and it's very just like a twisted thicket vibe to it. You know, you don't want to go in here alone. Um, and a lot of the times around this time when this panic was happening, a lot of people assumed that a lot of Satanists or those that did satanic rituals would come to this area to take advantage of all the negative energy um i should say negative spiritual energy that surrounds the, the cross in order to do their so-called rituals however as many cases as there were of satanic cults or worshiping happening around there there hasn't been as more than like four to five documented cases so that too was kind of like to add on to the hype of the whole cross itself um and then one of the other ones that kind of just would go in and out was like oh you know there's like demonic activity involved like the same mold you know you got your you got your demons you got your goblins you got your ghouls um and all are supposedly said to be haunting this set cross on top of um on top of the spirits that are around it as well so we're gonna go into a little bit of the background of what this crosses that i'm talking about um and so it first starts off with this man named krishna venta also known as francis frank <laughs> pekovich um this man mm -hmm. is your typical you know pillar of the community as he got older but when he was younger especially in his early 30s he was quite a charlatan so um he was born to jewish parents during the great depression and um he lived most of his life up <clears throat> until his 30s as what he calls a hobo so he would assume multiple <laughs> aliases um and you know he'll say he's this person he'll say he's this person but really he's just a homeless guy off the street so a lot of it starts off with him just kind of being just this man that he kind of was like anthony gowdy from i don't know if you guys know anthony gowdy from um he's the architect who made uh 
La Sagrada Familia, the cathedral that was never finished oh, in Spain. Oh, I am familiar with that. Okay. So the whole reason why I made that reference is because Anthony Gaudi always had a very, like, very, like, just an unkempt look all the time so he always looked homeless so around the time when he got run over by the tram in front of his own cathedral that he's building people didn't recognize him because he was just so unkempt and he just looked like a homeless person and back then they didn't give much regard to those types of people and this is exactly what happened here as well except this man wasn't didn't have any status or anything he was literally just a man that was unfortunately in a lot of destitution um with that being said i'm sorry if i'm looking down i'm just looking at my notes here You're good. um so his full name is francis herman pakovich but he always went by frank um <laughs> i'm starting to like this guy i can relate to him on many levels i use fake names too I don't think you're going to like him at the end of this. Well, no, I mean, okay. I'm just saying <laughs> I, I actually changed my oh. name. You guys might have noticed this. I changed my name to Dick Chicklet on the chat. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. As far as you assuming the multiple aliases, we got that part. <laughs> um, so he, um, in the early years of U.S. involvement in World War II, he was arrested for writing very threatening letters to President uh, Roosevelt. So he did about nine months in jail for petty larceny and a month in the California State Mental Hospital. This is the uh, polygamist that we're talking about still? Yes. Yes, sir. This is the same person we're talking about. Um, then he often did multiple trips to casinos. So this man comes off as we go towards the story, like he comes off as this person that is like, that knows mental clarity and is a sage and has all this wisdom. And this is someone that you want to go towards. And this is how he poses himself once he becomes the leader of this cult. Um, but prior to that, you know, he was heavily into gambling and that kind of goes into his demise later on as to how this whole how he basically perished um and he would go to a shit ton of casinos um especially in las vegas somebody uh snapped a photo of him alongside the famous gambler nick the greek dandalos just before krishna lost about <laughs> so we just need to find an alley in this and then i think we're good to go yeah. <laughs> um and this picture was taken right before he lost three thousand dollars in craps so you know he's off nick the, the greek i like that nick, nick the, the greek, greek. <laughs> i'm not even greek so um well i mean i don't think he was either. actually judging from his last name it looks like he might have been actually um when he lost these three thousand dollars due to craps um the foundation that he was actually part of the the cult that he's now part of um actually paid that debt so really the gambling never went away as he ended up showing himself more and more as this pious man if anything he was becoming a more of a hypocrite and his followers are starting to see that more and more as the day went by how many followers did he have about um, he had a whole community like they they settled down in um, this rural part of Utah. But let me look up that exact number for you right now. Wazi, one more question. Did his wife know about his past? Yes. And they were also involved in the cult as well. Okay. Yeah. So it, it does get um, 
a little funky, I'll tell you that much. So, okay, so he had about the fountain, so he called it the fountain of the world. That's basically what his cult was called. Of course, of course he would. Right, it's a pillar of the community. I mean, come on, come on, come on. Um, like a lot of cults are like, they have some kind of global connotation to it. Yeah, they often come from like a higher calling or a divine calling and bring that kind of like the pious look that Mm -hmm. we're talking about here a lot. Um, And he actually has four principles that go along with it, um, which I'll go into details later about it. First principle, Um, you need to have more than one wife. Really quick, Wazzy, we've got (laughs) Doug listening and we've got Lord Cronus who want to, they want you to just uh, touch base again on who we're talking about. Awesome. Yeah, well, hello. Um, we are talking about Krishna Venta, um, his name, and actually he's known as Francis Pikovich. He was the leader of the cult Fountain of the World, which still exists, but he does not. Um, and so we'll be going into details briefly about the cult and mostly about Case Cross, which there is a lot of activity and history behind, which is why we're going into the cult as of right now. Good deal. Uh, so Krishna Venta, so he legally changed his name to Krishna Venta after this. And he was called the master. And to answer your question, Nick, he had about a hundred followers or so, but they became very well known because even though they were in these like odd robes and different colors, they actually acted as first responders for a lot of the emergency, like disasters that happened around there. I believe um, there was a plane that crashed around the area and like the first people that the first responders actually saw was Krishna Venta and his like group of followers and he's like giving directions to help people. So um, like search and rescue. Yeah, yeah. So these people really, at first, they really just believed that this man was just everything. Like he knew what he was talking about. There's a the the voice. They would actually call him the voice because they would hear these like premonitions coming through, and they just really had that like twisted faith in him that cult leaders are able to provide. Once you're able to come from, especially if you came from a background where like him you were poor or you were not finding your way or you losing your way. It was very easy for you to come to this type of person and also join their cult. Um, That's another thing we get from cult leaders is that they're very smooth talkers. Yes. They have a way about talking that makes people feel important. Like they belong. Like they're part of something bigger than who they are. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just, it's very interesting to see how cult leaders work because some you can tell that just like didn't give a fuck. Like some of them were just. You can try Uh, to. Wazzy, you froze there for a second. Oh no. Yeah, no worries. You said some of them are like something. Oh, what we last heard. (laughs) I said some of them are just shitty as fuck like they will get straight to the point and they're very psychologically destroying and they're like i have the money i have the power and i'm going to utilize that to bring more reputation to myself yes doug likes or he wanted to interject and say that's like the trump cult which is true trump definitely is a cult of personality type of figure absolutely i agree definitely i do agree Uh, um, i agree with you doug another cult belief is God said, I can fuck your wife. Right. So I will fuck your wife. Well, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. So well, like back in medieval days, <clears throat> excuse me. The lords would like okay, let's say like peasants were gonna get married, right? Mm-hmm. I think on the wedding day the lords actually had the ability. I, I know what you're talking about, Nick. So what you're talking about with the wife the, first. The name of what you're talking about is called Prima Nocta, and that is uh, yeah. a land a conquering landowner's right to breed out the natives. So you're right. When two people get married on the night of the wedding before people could like live together as man and wife, this uh, yeah. Lord, a lot of times it was like the British, for example, would just sleep with whoever the bride to be is to like breed out the natives. So that that's pretty much. Yeah. Much so the Lords would, they had power, you know, they had influence. They had, of course, money, riches. So, mm-hmm. yep. And that, would, if you want to see that in the movies, they have, uh, they show that in like Braveheart, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah there Braveheart. You there you go. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and continue, Wasi. Nick had a really good point there. That's true. Oh, no. I, I was just very interested in what you guys were talking about just now. So I'm making a mental note of everything you're saying. Prima um, Nocta. It's fucked up. Yeah. Prima Nocta. Yeah, you want to participate in Prima Nocta? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to be going towards that as a society if we don't get our shit together. Yeah. And, and I can assure you right now, if you introduce that to somebody that, like, say, is not aware of what that is. Yes, Frank. Really quick, we got Lord Cronus that's asking us where we're all from, if we'd like to answer. What do you mean? Uh, like, where? What do you mean? Like, where are we from? Like, I, where? I are guess, we? like, natively, what country and city? Uh, Third rock from the sun. I'm from Chicago. I'm a Chicago native. I'm a Chicago native as well. I'm from California, but can't be a hundred percent sure. I wasn't there when I was born. Lord Cordes said Texas or California gotcha well you got you got alley pegged that's for sure yeah Yeah, I'm in Wisconsin along with that bump on a log Doug so yeah we're all uh we're all midwesterners except for Allie who's I don't know considering just west southerner or just a western she just west a west coast like a south central she's like the fresh prince of bel-air no south central never seen an episode Anyways, let's, yes. let's keep going, man, because we want to talk about the cross, dude. That's interesting. <laughs> Nick, read the, read the stream when you get a chance. Go ahead and continue, Ozzy. Um, so I'm going to read um, a quick excerpt about who, like this guy that wrote an article from LAist, and he wrote about Venta and how he kind of like looked and appeared when he first started this whole foundation of the world. <laughs> He had first popped up in Canoga Park a decade earlier, perpetually barefoot and draped in yellow peasant robes, claiming he had been born a half million years prior on a planet called Neophrates. He said he was infused with the same everlasting spirit as Abraham Lincoln and the Mormon church founder, Joseph Smith. He predicted the United States would be consumed by cataclysmic race wars. Anyone wishing for safe passage through Armageddon would need to give him all their possessions and live by their strict by his strictures, loosely based on the Ten Commandments. So, as you can see, we're dealing with somebody that clearly has a god complex, um, and definitely one thing. The reason why um, he mentions the Mormon Church here is because there was a lot of questions as to who helped or who helped yeah who helped venta construct the 
crossed and so there are many different um many different theories but the main theory is is that there used to be and they still exist there's a family called the kingston family they are one of the most prominent polygamist families in utah and so around this time when krishna was getting into this cult the way he actually got into it was with um with merlin kingston and he is one of the main sons of the family and they were basically in the army together um and once he was discharged um they kept communication and they kept in contact and a lot of the things that venta was saying kingston was like yeah i think this sounds right <laughs> you know was like yeah you know we got the money we got the we got the uh the prestige and more or less we have the power here so we can definitely make it work and eventually they were able to kick krishna all the way up to the top to that influence that he had and unfortunately to some still does um and to any of the followers listening if for some reason you are a believer of this please by all means understand that i am not offending you or saying anything to offend those that do follow it is simply opinions and facts that i am stating from my prior knowledge as well as from the research that i've done on this that's great so, wazi also if you are someone who follows us feel free to call in that would be absolutely great. i would love this to talk the fountains of the world for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yep. For entertainment and informational purposes only. Information might not be as accurate as possible, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> um, so they, so on April 5th, the news did an interview with Mer, uh, Merlin Kingston, a man whose family owns the parcel of land where the cross was built. Um, and uh, who said that he did aid Krishna Venta in um, building the cross. And the reasons being is because Krishna had his own plans and he needed that cross in order to finish those plans. And Kingston's are very, very well known as a polygamist family. Polygamy was heavily involved in the fountain of the world. So, um let's go back into this and keep in mind this man is just he he's just finding more ways to make this more ridiculous as it goes and like i will explain as we go you so know, then if you look at krishna venta mm -hmm. he does look like he's like abraham lincoln era just like look at him yeah he's a picture I, of him next to his second wife he looks like he's from actually he looks more like vlad the impaler to be honest i'm about to put a photo up yeah, I look can, at him. He I can see that. Do you, do you know how he found his wife? Tinder. Well, Tinder. <laughs> Bumble. 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 What is the what is the what is the name for those that are poly? I'm sure they have a dating site, right? Polygamous. I don't know. No. I don't. I don't think so. Do they? Polyamorous. It's back in the day, so it was probably like newspaper. Business idea, Wazi. <laughs> newspaper. Wazi, it's a business idea. We could start it. We could start. Hey, it. we could. I mean, I'm already poly as is, so I mean, we could we could come up with something. Um, so basically, in 1949, Krishna and 60 of his followers decided that they were going to move to a 23-acre glen in Box Canyon, and this is like this narrow 
like parcel of land that is in the near the Chatsworth Reservoir in the Santa Susana Mountains of Simi Valley, which are about it's about 25 miles north of downtown LA actually so he kind of starts off with his influences and kind of spreads out like a web but mainly it was in um, Utah so then he ends up he has like his second wife he has two kids so this man is not exactly like a shut-in you know he's not a hermit this man is coming off very charismatic he's coming off as this guy that's like yeah family's everything but He's betting a different woman every night. So it's uh, <laughs> like his followers ended up starting to see this. And a lot of them were calling them out, mainly because also he was sleeping with their wives as well. So, you know, at this point, it's just hypocrisy and it's betting other people's wives in front of them in the name of whatever. Dude, that's a nocta. <laughs> the nocta. The prima nocta. Prima Nocta, and then got him, and then you got, and you just got some, and you just got a huge god complex on everything else. Um, so I'm gonna give you an um an example of what their shrine or a part of their living situation kind of looked like. Um, eventually the group built several sturdy edifices from materials gleaned from the surrounding creeks and hillsides, including segregated dormitories a two-story dining hall, and an administration center. Oak trees grew through the ceilings of two of those buildings. The jewel of the commune was the stone-walled monastery built by the pilgrims as a tribute to their master. Um, sooner or later, you know, those that were, like, motorists that were either stranded or just needed a place to stay that were cutting through Box Canyon Road, um, would notice very strange things. And it would be, like, these mysterious people, very kind, dressed in robes, just coming and, like, you know, just providing help. And, or, you know, they're providing, or they're coming in, <laughs> get this, a four-wheel drive tow truck some of them um and they would come to help firefly fight well i can't speak today firefighters to um battle fires floods um help those that were in need of health or medical um help i'm sorry i just ended up looking at something else here um so they they came off very helpful at first and this is not krishna venta this is his helpers first because this is what they wanted to do they wanted to put in an idea that like we're not we're not like those creepy cults we're not a cult at all we're just an organization that loves people a little too much if you ask me but nonetheless they loved people um and then they ended up going towards Utah, right? And now they're here. They're constructing the cross. And um, a lot of the adult members came from different walks of life. So a lot of them were, you know, white collar. They worked white collar jobs. Some actually were day laborers. Others, you know, just were coming from areas just like him in destitution. You know, some of these people were poor and they just needed a... a guidance and he took advantage of that um and so these people worked six days a week and they would tend to the small herds of ghosts oh, ghosts not ghosts goats um and sheep and they would also <laughs> harvest the furrows that grew <laughs> their 
herbivorous diet. Um, so basically plants and vegetables. And they would also bake homemade bread in their outdoor wooden stoves. Yes, Ellie. You guys heard it first. They took care of skinwalkers. Right. Confirmed by Wazzy. Listen, I'm going to have skinwalkers and all sorts of shit coming towards me tonight. Come motherfucker. <laughs> yep. Um, children's were communally raised and they were schooled. Marriages were permitted only on March 29th. Reason being, it's Krishna's birthday. So Makes sense. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to tell you on that one. Um, and so... Back in Box Canyon, though, as they were noticing him gambling and they were noticing him just crazily just smoking, driving like a demon. That's actually an, a verbatim driving like a demon was said by one of his followers. Um, he drank and then he would also smoke a lot of tobacco. And a lot of these things that he was promoting and saying like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this because this promotes negativity he ended up doing those exact same things and so there was a lot of hypocrisy involved that a lot of his followers were seeing specifically two at the time one's name was ralph smith he was 33 years old and the other man was named peter dumas kamenoff peter who was dumas huh? <laughs> kamenoff uh, who was 42 at the time. And they basically were like, I fold. I can't do this. You guys are sleeping with my wife. Like, what the fuck is happening? This is ridiculous. Everything that you're telling us to follow, you're doing the exact opposite. Like, what, what are you trying to do? So basically, people just got tired of it. They really did. And they were like, well, if Krishna's not going to do anything about it, we got to do something about Krishna. So... Uh, these people, <laughs> Muller and Kamenov, who, who had taken on the names, excuse me, I'm gonna, I might pronounce this wrong, Elzeba and Jerohan. No, Elzeba. Mm -hmm. But interesting that it's pretty close to Beelzebub. Um, Elzeba right. and Jeraham, or Jerom. And they were Jeroboam. basically trying, they, <laughs> they were trying to sow chaos, because they're like, this man's not this man is not following the things he's preaching why are you guys following him yeah. so you know they're trying to they're trying to create that little bit of a rocky turf there and it was already rocky as is because they weren't the first people to notice but they were the first people that were like okay we're gonna do something about this because nobody else is um so on december 9th 1958 um, after they tried to, um, Kamenov and Mahler basically tried to record Krishna admitting to a lot of the things that he was doing. And when they realized that that backfired, they ended up, um, I'm trying to find the exact wording here because I don't want to like mess the facts up. Basically, they ended up making a suicide tape. And in that suicide tape, oh, those yeah. two men, Muller, Muller and Kamenov, both said, you know, we are, and this is before they decided to do what they did. Um, they were like, we're going to drive down and we're going to talk to Krishna and we're going to demand that, you know, he respects us and, and listens to what we have to say. 
Um, and if not, then this is what will happen. So obviously, what ends up happening is Krishna is aware that these fools are him. So they come up with a second plan, which is in the suicide tape, they basically say that um, we have tried talking to Krishna and he has given no headway to change or to what has happened. He's not acknowledging it or taking accountability for it. And for that reason, we must, you know, we must get rid of the problem here and nip it in the bud. So they took a bunch of explosives um, and basically bombed not only themselves, Krishna, and I believe seven other people of which are men and women. Did I'm they, sorry, women did they mean to bomb themselves? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was like and an they accidental. Said, okay. No, they said, God, no. give me freedom or death. So, so he died tragically like that. But how do we know that he killed all seven of his wives, buried six around the cross and one under it? That's a good question. Well, that Nick. was a legend. Yeah. That was a legend. So that's not something that they've ever been able to confirm or deny. But really, it does seem like it's something that was just a legend. Because, like, even if Krishna Venta did end up doing that, he, you he would find He sounds like the kind of guy that really like likes to indulge a lot and i don't think he could handle killing his uh harem off and then unless he had a I backup one i don't know i feel like mm -hmm. for someone that has always for someone that always constantly beds other people's wives and has like um they call them sisters like like the nuns and whatnot so like mm -hmm. like having a sister in the bed and then also like for someone that's constantly having polygamy as one of the biggest things that they do there it would be very counterintuitive to right. die in a way where <laughs> that what if none of the wives wanted to sleep with him that night and then he needed to go to his own wives but then he killed them off like you wouldn't have him to go to Exactly. I see where you're going so, with this, Nick. If somebody gets jealous, yeah. you just bump them off, whatever. <laughs> I think my biggest issue is that, so they make this video warning him about the future, right? But they were trying to get him to admit what he was doing and he wouldn't. It's like, wouldn't it have just been easier to record what he was doing and like showing it to him and, you know, instead of going this extra step, like, he he just he just had he knew what they were up to and he wasn't like a stupid fool either like just he he just care. had a god complex and he had a superiority complex and he was aware mm -hmm. that as long as he had money and power then nobody else can do anything to him not to mention he was also in cohorts with one of the most powerful polygamist families around there too so it's not like more or less krishna didn't have that power it's just more so that that was just something that was not at the time like he was like you know like i don't care so when they did confront him and say like hey you're screwing my wife um in the name of whatever you're preaching you know he's like he, he was aware of it and he probably was like i'm not gonna give way and i'm pretty sure there was some involvement as most cults do have some involvement of like blackmail or leverage that it's like oh, yeah. okay well 100%. if you if you say this i'm gonna fuck you over like you know like it's just 
there's no way to go around it. And so they were like, okay, well, and this is what they said verbatim. They said, uh, God, either give us freedom or death. So really quick. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, uh, this is a comment that Doug had while we were talking about this, which Mm -hmm. coincides with that same point. Doug says, quote, I don't understand the mindset of cult followers. I think they are just weak willed and scared people that cannot rely on uh, blazing their own trail. So that's that's good. But I think one of the things is I I mean, looking into cults myself and doing research for this topic, it's, you know, cult leaders go after vulnerable people or people who are at a vulnerable spot and then get that leverage. It's always that's the first thing they go after, whether it's like stuff like this or Scientology. They always get that leverage. That's what Dianetics actually is, is getting that leverage without actually. But also, I think some people want to be a part of that from the get go and they seek that, you know, and and they're totally cool with being a part of it because it's what they want. It's what they want to do. You're right. They're not a victim. I think think there are some people that pursue it out of wanting to thrive in that. Yeah, they want to be accepted by society and they don't really have a family. So they kind of go towards that because it's something rather than nothing. Right. So, right. I think it's also like gangs, you know, you take people who do not have the most stable home life. Mm -hmm. And it's, you have to think about it for a lot of these people, it's joining this cult that you barely heard of or being on the streets and it's like you know when you have nothing to eat no money no anything listening to some guy who will provide you shelter and give you food doesn't sound like a bad thing it's like sure he's ranting about god he sees god he does this god speaks to him he goes and does all these Mm -hmm. things but compared to living on the street not knowing if you're gonna make it or not that sounds like a great idea you know it's yeah I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ellie. Like, and then honestly, if they're, you know, doing good acts instead of bad acts, it's like, you know, maybe this isn't that bad. You know, we're helping a community. We are all happy here. Mm-hmm. There's others around. Why not? It's just, it's very difficult to know unless you can tell just by looking at the structure and the foundation of what the cult was founded on or the basis of it at least um you can easily nine times out of ten tell why they did something like this um i do have another topic that i will be talking about next time we do do this is it's a lot similar to what we were just talking about ali where you were like taking advantage of people that are in a situation where they just don't have a stable living condition um and it's very easy for those that have been conditioned throughout their entire life to believe they don't deserve anything or they think that life is not going to get better for them when as ali said when somebody comes along providing for that and and someone provides you even sweet words and you've always been used to abuse and you've always been used to people saying you're a worthless piece of shit. some nice charming guy or some nice charming leader comes along and says no, you're you're everything and I can show that for you. Of course you're going to believe that because that brings hope. And hope is such a fickle double-edged sword because you never know what can happen when you give somebody hope. And you don't know what re- reaction you're going to get from the person you're giving hope. But the other person doesn't know why you're giving hope. It could be to build it up and you and have them serve you for the rest of your life like they do in most cult leaders. Um, or to gain something out of you, or simply just to 
bring you up and then put you into this this abyss of depression and this abyss of i don't know despair i guess like it's just something that goes down because it's easier to give somebody hope and build it up and then take it all away when you realize you have the power of doing so and and then you have to realize something else once they join this cult they have friends sometimes they have family members they have a job yeah it's it's, it's if you try to leave that that's not going to go with you exactly yeah you it's know? a and a lot of these people pose themselves as pillars of the community they pose themselves as like oh i'm i've helped this person like if a neighbor was ever asked about so and so you know they'll be like yeah this person has always helped always comes over you know is always ready for whatever but then these same people that you are saying that the pillars of community are the same people that are raping underage children keeping them you know locked up and these are the same people that could not deal with things on their own volition and decided to hurt other people and in doing so they become things as extreme as cult leaders as well and i would like to say though as we do go through this um there's a couple surprises in here so um as far as well, that I already goes, know one of them. oh well don't say anything nick <laughs> don't say okay. anything. i have a quick um story so most of you guys have met or i mean most of you guys have heard about warren jeffs right Yes. You know, okay. Affirmative. So, yes. um once upon a time I was engaged to somebody who worked for a local police department and they actually housed Warren Jeffs for a few days before he got transferred. And this was out in San Angelo, Texas. And he said just the way this man talked everybody would just stop and talk to him you know do the we confidence, do we like, know anybody just, in our lives that are, is like that like we like talking yes. to them N name yeah. like top three people in your life that are like that who are you asking why anybody anybody sorry i'm drinking water so i'm gonna mute myself well i mean it doesn't matter because you don't know them so I mean, are we talking about people that just charismatically like know? Like people you personally know, or per people people, like people you public. people you personally know that are yes. just very charismatic. You always want to talk to them. You feel like they're maybe influencing your direction a little bit, or oh. like. Uh, well, I would definitely. I know some people, but I they don't influence me. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't yeah. know. Like maybe, do you know people that are charismatic, even though you might Absolutely. not? Absolutely. Even though you might not subscribe, do you feel comfortable? Yes. Name dropping. Yes, I feel like my dad is. I was going to say my dad, too. My mother. Charming, wow. very charismatic. Probably not the nicest person or best dad, but his charisma. Like, mm. people are just drawn to him, and it's like... Yeah, mine, mine too. My Yeah, my mother. D I would, like... Go ahead. I was just going to say, Doug agrees that Nick's dad is charismatic. <laughs> That's cool. He knows him. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I would say, like, my mom definitely knows how to talk to people. Like, if she came up to you, you'd be like, oh, like, she's so sweet. Like, she's just the, like, you know, she's getting to know you. And she's like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's great. You're Wasi's friend. Like, anytime. And, but she is the most abusive piece of shit that ever has ever. Guess like, what, motherfucker? <laughs> exactly. No, that's literally what it is. Anytime, like, the door closes, it's like, guess what, motherfucker? Mm-hmm. The Mother real faces happen, like, you know. So it it does get like that, and I've worked for a lot of um, employers that were like that a lot too. Like they would just be like, "Oh yeah, you know, we we over here value this and this and this," and like at any time you could come talk to them, they would be there for you. And then these same people are the ones that are like, "Oh yeah, um, we're gonna fire you. Why? What for?" Um, or turn around and say stuff like, yeah. you know, you go and you complain about a certain person you right. work with, and then they go and tell that person, well, you might so, have said some things. Right. Yeah, the, the retaliation. To so those, this is what I say. Yeah. Anyways, but <laughs> this is still a family podcast, but no worries. Um, we, uh, so, I know one of the surprises, I just yes. want to say it, but. I'm actually going to go, go into right it into now. it. Yeah. I'm going to go right into it because I figured. Helter okay. Skelter. Helter Skelter. Um, I'm going to actually read a paragraph of from one of the articles I found. <clears throat> it is also purported that in 1968, 10 years after Krishna Venta was assassinated, another Jesus claimant by the name of Charles Manson and his coterie, including Susan Atkins, resided for several months at the Fountain of the World. Manson had even had an unsuccessful, unsuccessful bid to take over. He was eventually booted from the commune and moved his group to nearby Spawn Movie Ranch. There is debate over how far Krishnaventa's teachings influenced Manson, but there are strong parallels between Venta's apocalypse and Manson's Helter Skelter, a bloody race war in which the whites will lose to the blacks, after which Manson's family would reemerge from a secret cave in the desert or hole in the earth to, and take over. Um... Sun Myung Moon and his followers also took up residence with the Fountain of the World community for several months in 1968. And if I am correct, this is the same person. Yep, this this. So Sun Myung Moon was a Korean religious leader, um, very well known for his political um causes and his uh business claimants or business ventures i should say he was a messiah self-proclaimed messiah and he was uh the founder of the unification program which kind of did a lot of uh that's another cult i'll go into another time um but yeah so charles manson was heavily influenced by venta's um the ten, Jesus the loosely based principles around the Ten Commandments. Um, that's where a lot of they say a lot of his um, helter skelter um, prophecies came from and theories came from, and it was influenced heavily by Benta. Um, and so that is another reason why they talk as much as they do about Case Cross. So now Case Cross is that stone cross that we were talking about just now. Um, and so when it is the full moon, it is said to have this eerie glow to it almost like it actually glows and you can see it. And then if you were to stand 
close to it enough for you to be able to touch the cross um or if you actually physically were touching the cross it would burn you so there was oh yeah i i read about that when i was studying the topic Uh, yes go on i know what you're gonna talk about next yes what do you what are, what are you gonna what do you think I'm gonna talk about? I I so I don't know if you want me to spoil it, but I read yeah. that there was someone that was gonna test it out. So he actually went to a moonlit night on the right night, and took his clothes off and laid on the top of it, and immediately nothing seemed to have happened. But then he did get down, and there was like burns all over his body. But it wasn't like yep. a sudden searing pain, but it was like a slow burn, like a sunburn. Mm-hmm. Like he just yep. got a deep tissue burn. <laughs> yep. And like so- also. There was like three burns in the shape of like upside down crosses yes. on the back. Yes. That too. Yes. Okay, guys. Well, I'm signing off. Have a good night. And Wazi, you did an amazing job. Oh. Thank you, Ellie. Yeah. Bye, guys. See ya. See you later. Love y'all. Love you. So, yeah, actually, what Frank was talking about is correct. So, in essence, a gentleman decided that he was going to test this theory out. He ended up going on a full moon and he was like, I don't really see this glow or whatever glow. And he kind of was like, maybe this glow is coming up from the full moon. He then takes his shirt off, lays his back towards the cross. So now his back is actually touching the cross. And the next thing that happened, he's like, well, I don't feel anything burning. Like, there's nothing burning at all. What's going on? Um, He puts his shirt back on, and he's about to go and whatnot. And all of a sudden, he feels like a sunburn-like pain in his back. And he's thinking, okay, what the fuck is this? So he gets home. He looks at it. And there are these, like, three, as you were saying, Nick, those three long scratches. And then Mm -hmm. um, in the form of upside-down crosses. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of people ventured into Kay's Hollow in honor or in order to, I should say, um, to see what it was about and if it really was what the legends were saying. So a lot of people have said that like a group of uh, there was a story about a group of people going in there once and um, they were just all hanging out. They're just all within their 20s, I believe. And um, one of them ended up feeling like there was a shadow figure around the cross. So he went to go investigate because he's like, what the hell is that? Like all of our other people are here. So he ends up going towards it and he just keeps wandering and wandering and wandering. And all of a sudden he just feels sick. Like he needs to throw up. So he ends up throwing up and throwing up and throwing up and he cannot stop. And he's just feeling sick. Eventually he's so weak. He just has to lay down for a second. But his friend comes out and was like, was like we didn't even see where you went we thought you disappeared like they legitimately didn't even see him walking towards the the portal yeah like they were just like where the fuck did you go and they were like how did you end up here so they were having all these different questions and then um there has been so there has been demonic activity supposedly too around this um there has been like shifty shadow figures as well as the the spirits of those that killed venta and venta himself apparently um but I know, if it- uh, sorry excuse me yeah. i know like i don't know there's people out there that don't like ghost adventures but i personally like it and i watch it and they had an episode where they were yes. there at case cross yes and it was pretty intense and 
they had got all those things like shadow figures and yeah, light was, anomalies and EMF I was readings. Thinking about and, showing some footage from the show. Uh, doing research for the topic and looking on Twitter to see if anybody's even talking about Case Cross. Mm-hmm. The only people that were talking about Case Cross is when Ghost Adventures did the show and the episode about it. So that was, uh, I think, 2015 is when those were all time stamped. It's a little-known paranormal destination, I guess you could say. Uh, Doug says that, uh, he says, Nick, I don't believe in ghosts. What? That, don't say that, Doug, because now one will approach you when you say that, so... Doug, if you really want to believe, I can send something to your house tonight. <laughs> but let's not do that. I hope it's a pizza. Uh, am I right? Uh-huh. Um, An unburned pizza. But, yeah. Like, imagine if you're out there and it's like dark or it's like a full moon and the cross is glowing. Like, imagine how that would look. That would be really, like, exciting and cool. Factor would be pretty high, but also kind of, like kind of freaky in my opinion yeah the first thing i would do is just run towards it be like what is that you want to touch it right you want <laughs> i'd be like what you touch it. I would I'm, want to. I'm like a fucking moth like anything that lights up i'm like wow that's crazy but um, also like i read that in 1992 maybe you're getting to this point yes but, uh well you go ahead then. no go ahead what were you gonna say well 92 uh some unknown person that actually uh, blew up the cross and now it's like in rubble yeah, now. It's, it's just yeah. a pile pieces. of rubble. Yeah, so that was on I believe February 15th 1992 or it could be February 25th. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and it was in 1992 the cross was mysteriously blown up. And when the police department got there minutes after they could not find anything that could attribute to what could have caused the explosion or who could have caused the explosion as well as how it was able to be that powerful and be heard miles down without anybody like really saying anything or seeing anything about it so to this day a lot of different theories surround by it one of the main prominent theories is that uh, Kingston, Merlin Kingston, um, or one of the Kingston families were just so done with the trespassing and the constant, you know, just people going there and trying to do rituals or whatever, um, that they just ended up blowing it up themselves. Um, others, other thing is, is that the negative energy that surrounds it is so much that the cross itself cannot handle it and it had to explode. That's my favorite uh, theory right there. I know it's my favorite theory um the other theory which is similar to the one i just mentioned is like the demonic forces there are you know harbor that cross and it they just got so powerful to the point where they were like kaboom you know mm-hmm. um and then other you know other people are still having theories about it like but to this day this hasn't been necessarily like founded as far as I would think it's hard cost. to confirm because it's in the middle of nowhere you know oh, I would yeah. go with the Kingston family just destroyed it I would think yeah I would think I feel like both of those theories are very probable theories because when you look at the Kingston family they probably have heard so much and have gotten such a rap for what has happened that they probably were just like yeah we're gonna go into hiding like we don't need to bring this up you know but and then people still today go there and stand on it take pictures with it touch it you know try and do uh 
ghost hunting around it so it didn't stop anything no it really didn't stop anything yeah, it so could have stirred it up even more so i i would i would assume that's and exactly i heard something about was. indian burial ground too no wait that was something else i was listening to i okay. wouldn't be surprised if there were though because yeah clearly the you know we have a history of kind of i mean it could be yeah um Yes. Really quick, Nick wants to, or not Nick, Doug wants to chime in. He said, uh, I walked through graveyards in pitch black a few times and her saw felt nothing. I just don't have any instances to go off of to believe in ghosts. And then I asked him if he would visit Case Cross. And then Doug said, I believe in evil possessed people and evil presences, but not necessarily ghosts. He said he would 100% visit. So he believes in evil and possessing of people. He doesn't necessarily believe in a spiritual manifestation, which is an interesting take. We'll say Interesting. Well, what about residual hauntings then? How can you explain that? Or my question is, Doug, do you think that at some point the energy can become so strong or so calling that you can actually manifest it to even see maybe a glimpse of a visual haunting? Like, is that, since you do say that you do believe in evil and the possession of evil, you know, then comes then comes like my question is you know at what point does belief become reality to the point where you might actually see something that does manifest whether it be your I think own- he's saying that he doesn't believe that human spirits who have passed away oh, have, are okay. coming back have come back I mean I, I also think there's some truth in that for a lot of the media shows like the paranormal adventures ghost adventures paranormal state a lot of that stuff is played up just for the, v- the hey, ratings and like hey come on yeah hey listen i saw this episode on, paranormal state is definitely not credible <laughs> no i know i i used to watch paranormal state no, i think i've seen every episode these guys just show up and they're just like tv stars no dude they've probably done that shit for years ahead of time with legitimate interest doing it and trying to like get good research well, like I, I feel like I don't know. They have a whole passion the for it, obviously. They weren't doing it. Until, they were doing it long before they started making money doing it. I don't know. I also feel like so. a lot of what they're going through is just hyped up. Like they'll they'll go into a place and they'll they'll like say, "Oh, did you hear that? Did you hear that? This group, this ghost grabbed my ass." Like there's a whole episode where like the ghost grabbed the dude's ass. Like, come on. Like I don't. Yeah, okay, well, maybe it did. I will. I will maybe say this much. I will fake. say this much. I will say this much. Zach Bagans has to kind of like tune his little personality down a little bit when it comes to that. But I will agree that some of the stuff that they did catch on there is like very, very compelling. And some things I can say they could have done better. But like as far as what we were talking about, if if we're talking about human spirits here, then then it's my same question. Like at what point does belief become reality? Like how if somebody, let's say, that doesn't have our views or Doug's views of saying spirit like human spirits will manifest right or they won't manifest at one point does like that person who's like no 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 i believe like today is my mother's death anniversary like it is her i definitely believe it and ends up seeing signs or symbols or anything that can allude to their that their mother might be there so at what point would you say or how far would you say you believe that i would say yeah, so that's actually a real psychological concept called simulacra simulation, which is something that the Matrix based some of their concepts off of, which is mm-hmm. if something is real to you, does not does that not make it real? You know what I mean? 
I mean, I agree with Doug. Like, I feel like there's angels and demons, and they can manifest in different ways to trick you. And but Doug doesn't believe in manifestation. Yeah, but but Doug doesn't believe in those manifestations. He's not believing in manifestation. He disagrees with that point you just made. You don't believe in, or you don't agree with Doug. Well, what is a demon just going to pop out of thin air? He doesn't like, think he doesn't think that a spirit or ghost has or demon to manifest. He doesn't think that. Yeah, he doesn't think that they can vis- like visually manifest in front of you. That's why I was asking that question. Like, what? At well, what? I mean, they can go into animals. They could. Yeah, he, he, he'll buy he believes that in that. Yeah. That's yeah. a manifestation in itself. But he's saying like an actual human spirit or a demon in its own form. Doug, call up. Just call up. Yeah, Doug, we need clarification, <laughs> buddy. Doug, please. Call up, man. I'll, I'll extend the show if Doug calls in. He sa- He's talking Doug. about, uh, he says, one of my favorite places in New Orleans and all the voodoo history surrounding it. I believe in the presence of possessing people. He says, I believe in the presence and possessing of people. That's manifesting, dude. But he, I think he's separating manifesting uh, into something physical, tangible, or visible. He doesn't yeah, believe in those things. And you were saying, was... yeah, and you were saying that you do. Well, technically it is if it's a possession because it's tangible. Did, tangible. I mean, we, we would have to talk to Doug about it. I, I think I honestly think we should have Doug on as a guest. He was talking about earlier, he worked as somebody who would scare people for a living in one of those haunted houses and he said yeah. a couple cool stories. So I'd love to hear about that. But I agree with Doug. I like to go there for the thrill of it too. But also it's kind of fun to see what you might catch out there, you know? Put get a recorder, just start recording, see if you can pick something up, dude, you know? It's interesting. Yeah, I do think we need to start closing it up though, guys, because I don't think Start taking up. pictures. Just take pictures and maybe an anomaly will show up on your picture, you know? So I'm just the yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say, should we close up, Ozzy? Nick, what do you guys think? I'll just say like when I went to St. Augustine, man, that place is rich with history, and you know, there's spirits there. You know. Yeah, I definitely have felt things. I have not myself seen anything manifest, but I believe it could happen. I want to believe it could happen. I know for sure. I believe in angels and demons, but I'm on the fence about actual human spirits coming back. So that's my stance. How about you, Ozzy? What's your final stance on this? I am a very true believer of anything in the spiritual realm because I've had too many experiences to believe otherwise. So for me, it's more so what your experiences have been that leads you to what you believe now. All right. So before we close it up, Doug says that he'll call in another time or come on or whatnot. That would be cool. Hot not. Well, I, I like to say it like that. All right, Hot. we're going to close it up. What? Hot, Hot not. Hot not. It's like Hank Hill talking. Did you, ever, did you ever notice that's like a very charming aspect of like the Southern accent when people say what or like when they say the word wash, they say wash. I'm going to go wash my car. I like saying wash. I don't. It's nice. Wash. It's nice. <laughs> that's not how the word is spelled. I don't know. I'm weird about it. All right. Closing thoughts. Wazzy, you want to go first? Thank you so much for tonight, by the way. Yeah. Great job. Um, thank you. Um, well, if you guys do, if any of you have been to Case Cross or would like to, please let us know and how that experience was for you. Or if you are going, then let us know what your experience will be like. Um, other than that, if you're someone that just questions the paranormal or just has questions for us in general, please reach out. We always love a good debate. For sure. As you can tell. Doug also <laughs> says great research, Wazzy. All right, Nick, your turn. 
Um, my closing thoughts, I just had this idea while we were doing tonight's episode. I'll pitch it to you guys right now. We should rent like the biggest RV that we can find within reason and just try and take a tour and hit up some of these places. Well, we are going to take a, like, we're out. We are going to take a tour on an actual tour bus. Oh yeah. On set. No, well, on Saturday, we're going to tour around. Oh, I'm not renting an RV for Saturday. Well, no, I'm saying my foot. We're He's saying in foot. general. Oh, yeah, that's true. We that's do, true. Yeah. We'll do that. But I'm just saying we should hit up K's Cross and St. Augustine Lighthouse and all these other places that, you know, have that history. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see what we're going to do. We got to plan it out. But, uh, my closing thought is thanks so much, Wazi, for your awesome topic. I feel like for one of the very first times, or maybe the second time, we actually put real research into it, which is really appreciated because I like to see real substance behind what we're doing and not just like, oh, this this happened. And then it's just like, here's the concept, but we don't go into any details. So thank you for that. Yeah, um, it, was, it should be our best episode ever. Whether or not the listeners respond or not doesn't matter. Yeah, well, and then... Uh, uh, next, I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July because by the time we do the next episode, it'll be the day after the 4th of July. It'll be July 5th, next episode. So happy 4th of July, everybody. Nick will have that night off. So we will be here with uh, Wazi, Leia, and Ellie, and it will be Leia's topic. So excited to see what she brings to the table. And until then, wishing you all a good night. We'll talk to you all next week. Peace out, everybody. Bye. <laughs>